You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1086 of Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. You can find me writing at Diamond Uprocks or at BT Roland on Twitter. And this podcast is always free and available on all platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And thank you for making the Lock On Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. Today's podcast will be a little bit of a look ahead to Monday's preseason opener for the Hawks. Yes, the Hawks play a basketball game with referees and a scoreboard and fans, all that stuff, on Monday evening in Miami. It doesn't count. In the standings, but it is one of the four that the Hawks have. They come actually home on Wednesday for their home exhibition opener, but there will be an actual game to watch on TV on Monday night. That'll be a lot of fun to get into. And if you missed it, last week I talked to Glenn Willis on a two-part extravaganza looking ahead to the preseason. Glenn's always very, very smart, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that double-fisted episode on Wednesday. Um, I had a wedding to attend, and congratulations to Robbie Cowan and his new wife, Crystal, on their nuptials over the weekend. I was in attendance for that, so I was not able to record the podcast in my usual daily form over the weekend. But we're now diving in, full steam ahead, full schedule, four or five episodes a week, and we're going to have a lot of fun on the podcast. Um, catching up a little bit on some things. It'll be probably a shorter episode today because there is a game Monday evening that I'll dive into, as I always will, on the podcast. But some uh, some news and notes from the last couple of days to start off with on the podcast. Nate McMillan talked to the media a few times, uh, you know, before, after practices, and two days, all that stuff. And then the Hawks had their open practice in front of the fans, actually, on Saturday evening in Atlanta. Um, one note is that he talked about Jalen Johnson, the Hawks' first-round rookie, and said that he's basically going to be a primary power forward for the Hawks this season, which I would agree with. You know, dating back to the pre-draft process and before the Hawks drafted him, I thought of him as a primary four. That doesn't mean that he's only a four, and you know he, he is flexible and he plays some center at summer league, all that fun stuff. But and Alshon McMillan talked to to uh, the media, including Sarah Spencer and Chris Kirchner and Kevin Schnard, about him playing some at the three. And even some at the five at times. Uh, talking up his handle as a huge weapon is that something that I love about Johnson's game is that he can get up and down the floor, grab and go as a rebounder, and push the break with his long stride and his you know his sort of straight line speed, and also his burst and physicality. He's a massive hu- human being. Honestly, his frame is very big. So a primary four, but he can play the three a little bit, particularly the fact that he's so athletic, and then also play some small ball five. Now. The Hawks do have a team that is not necessarily going to need him to play a lot of five. They have John Collins, who's an awesome small ball five option. Onyeka Kongwu, when he is back and healthy, is, you know, a primary center, but also is a very, you know, versatile, athletic, twitchy kind of center as well. So a lot of teams, Johnson might have more utility as a small ball center option than the Hawks. At the same time, he can do that. We saw it at Summer League out of necessity at times, and he's uh, he's physically capable of doing that, which I thought was pretty interesting that McMillan talks about that. But he did say... Um, as a point of clarification, that he is going to be a primary four with the Hawks. And also Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com and ATL on 29 talks about the fact that when the Hawks have been breaking into their drill for practice, they've usually had Johnson in a group with John Collins and Dilla Gallinari and Gorgie Jang. And then the other bigs have been Capella with a Kongwu, uh, Johnny Hamilton, who's the uh, sort of the Exhibit 10 uh, camp invite, 
and then Joel Okafor. So that's more of a pure center group, whereas, you know, I think Gorgie Jang is definitely more of a center, but someone who can play, a little, um, I would say has played some four in the past, and then Collins and Gallo playing more of the four. So Johnson's been playing with the bigs, at least in practice and drills, but not necessarily the pure centers that are uh, sort of on the roster as well. Other things to hit on quickly here from McMillan is that he indicated to Sarah Spencer of the AJC that Cam Reddish will be coming off the bench this season. Not a surprise at all, but something that's, uh, I would say, more definitive than the assumption that I know I had and most had of the starters when healthy being Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella. Um, so, obviously, Reddish could start some games if you have an injury or something like that, if Hunter is obviously a little bit behind schedule, if that's possible at times. But the at least the plan, according to Nate, was to have Cam call off the bench this season. They're excited about what he can bring to the table, to be sure, but that's definitely notable. I do wonder if Hunter, for some reason, couldn't start opening night against Dallas, whether they might start Cam um, to defend Luka Doncic, and, and also just the fact that he's a little bit more um, you know, defensive-minded than both Bogdanovich and Herter. But I do think that Bogdanovich and Herter are both better than Cam Reddish right now, today. So they might start Bogey and Herter if that happens. We obviously have a couple weeks to get into all of that stuff. But for now, it seems like the plan, and again, not surprising, but at least noteworthy, the plan is to have Reddish come off the bench this season and give him opportunities to sort of play into a bigger role, obviously, along the way. He's very, very talented as a two-way potential option. So plan to get into there, but at least some, uh, I thought, interesting clarity from Nate McMillan along the way. All right, before we get to the rest of the podcast, including some stuff from open practice, a mailbag question, and a look ahead to Monday night's game, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week, and it made no sense at all and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball, and it's called Game Pick. It's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count toward the team's total score, ensuring that an even number of games are played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players had more scheduled games that week are over, and so is the fact that you have mindless daily busy work in the previous environment, and if you're giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work, those days are also over. In Game Picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on all kinds of factors from player matchups to home versus away, opponent's defensive rankings, pace of play, and much more. And all of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty leagues, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper has cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. If you can download the Sleeper app right now and start a league with your friends today, you will not be disappointed. Sleeper's one-of-a-kind Game Pick is the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. Check it out and download the Sleeper app today. Today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, and as I said at the top of the podcast, I'll have an open practice 
Um, they do this every year for the fans, mostly to have a little bit of stuff uh, in public, some scrimmaging and uh, a rookie talent show along the way. That's definitely uh, more of an entertainment product for sure um, with the Hawks. But they had that on Saturday. There was some clips circulating from some of the action from Kevin Chenard and Jimmy L. Johnson. So thanks to them for all of that. I was not in attendance for that. I was out of town at the wedding, uh, actually at the exact same time as the open practice. But um, the teams were as follows. It was the white team against the red team. The white team had Gallinari, Mays, Cam Reddish, DeLon Wright, Johnny Hamilton, Jalen Johnson, Kevin Herter, who did not play, by the way. He was in uniform, though. Uh, Lou Williams, Jalil Okafor, and A.J. Lawson. And then the red team was a little bit more starter-heavy. It had Collins, Bogdanovich, Trey Young, Gorky Jang, and then Sharif Cooper, TLC, and Solomon Hill. Um, Luella Cabarro arrived late but did get into camp um, despite some visa issues, so he's now around to compete for his roster spot on the wing. The white team was victorious, according to all reports. Um, they actually had Hunter... Capella and Okongwu not dressed at all. Not a huge surprise. They're all uh, not quite ready to go just yet. And the Herder was, was again in uniform, but was not dressed at that point in time. So not a whole lot to take from that, but obviously if you have to, a chance to attend that or see it in the clips, it's just good to see Hawks guys you know, going kind of full speed anyway. Some scrimmage stuff, some free-flowing, some highlights. There was a uh, there was a nutmeg along the way from Trey Young, etc. And that's kind of the stuff that you get from an open practice like that. It's more of a scrimmage and more of an entertainment product than anything else. Um, one Actually, a question I got on Twitter that was uh, you know, kind of a mailbag thing, but also I think appropriate for right now today, came from Jordan, who actually asked me the following. He says, or he or she says, I think it's he, but my apologies if not. Um, I heard you on Nate Duggan's podcast, and I heard about, I'm curious about something. If you knew about all the injuries when you recorded, would you have been quite as positive about the win total and having it be one of your best bets on the over for the Hawks? So... I recorded with Nate about a week ago, uh, I guess nine days ago as I'm recording this now, last Friday, um, I guess last Thursday evening, and uh, I think that's about a paywall, but I think it also might have been on his free episode as well, but Nate Duncan has been on this podcast before, hosted that Dunked on Prime, Dunked on on Podcast, and uh, it's more of a national show, but he has me on every year to talk about the Hawks. At any rate, um, I recorded that, that show just hours before Travis Schlenk talked to the media last Friday and revealed some of the injury update stuff about Capella and his procedure that he had, the PRP injection, and Kevin Herter's ankle cleanup that he had. I did not know about those things ahead of time, so I did not mention those. It was kind of the weird timing to go along with that when they'd asked me to come on. Also, there was nothing official at that point in time about DeAndre Hunter just yet since the surgery that he had to clean up the meniscus issue that he had at the end of last season. So, I, with all that said, I was pretty positive about the Hawks. And at the end of the podcast, I said that the Hawks over at 46.5 wins. So if you're not familiar with that, with that space in the over-under game... My projection was on the over of so 47 wins or more for the Hawks. And I said that it would be one of my best bets this season because of the Hawks' depth and all that fun stuff. So, I am still, to answer the question, I'm still confident in the over, barring anything worse on the injury front. It is definitely fair to point out that the uncertainty with Capella in particular has uh, got me a little bit, not scared, but at least uh, willing to not go quite as far because Capella is so important to what the Hawks do defensively. That they can't, not that they can't survive it, but if, if there's any uncertainty there whatsoever with Clint, that hurts. Just because he is so important to their defense. Also, the stuff with Herter, maybe being a little bit further behind schedule. Hunter not quite full go, at least at the top of that recording. He did have a practice this, this week that was encouraging. But all that said, you know, Nate did have me ask, um, sorry, he did have me give a prediction, and it was 50 wins is where I landed for the Hawks out of 82. 50 and 32 is a final record. My official pick. On this podcast that uh, I, I host and own, uh, won't come until later in training camp. With that said, uh, I wouldn't walk it back 
just now. Just because of the fact that uh, there's still time, there's still two and a half weeks before a game actually happens for the Hawks that counts. And Capel is at least been engaging in activities. Same with Herder. Hunter is at least seemingly on track. So nothing that I said I would back off of. If there is word at any point that Capella might miss real time when the games matter, I would probably shade it down a little bit. I still I still like the over unless there's some weird injury that I'm not aware of because I think 46 and a half is a too low total for the Hawks given their depth, given their talent. I think they're uh, too good to miss that unless something crazy happened with Trey Young. But for now, I would still go over. I still I still be confident in that. And the only thing that could make me change my mind would be a, a, a real injury to like Trey Young or Capella not being ready to go at the outset of the season. Hopefully that answers the question. It's a pretty good one. And again, that was just sort of a weird timing thing where we weren't sure what Travis was going to say, obviously, on Friday. And if I had known that and just kind of scheduled that was going to be happening, Nate was traveling, I was traveling, wanted to at least get it in and talk about it. But in retrospect, I wish we could have probably waited until after media day. But obviously everyone wants to do that. And the Hawks were at least one of the more stable teams year to year. So we recorded a little bit earlier. And that explains what happened there. Okay, before we get to the last segment on the podcast and a look at the game that will be happening on Monday evening, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Built Bar. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good, and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty, and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar, and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty, and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, you're 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. All right, and the Hawks open up on Monday evening in Miami, a division rival in the Southeast, of course. The Hawks and the Heat go way back, been playing each other quite a bit for years now. And Miami is in the same boat as the Hawks are. This is their first game as well. A lot of uncertainty throughout lens. They did have an offseason overhaul with bringing Kyle Lowry, uh, changing the makeup of their roster a little bit. Still a, a team that underachieved last season. Uh, two years ago, of course, overachieved, making the finals in the bubble. But um, their entire roster, according to Eric Spolstra, is going to be available for Monday night's game, other than Victor Oladipo, who is still nursing an injury, and Udonis Haslam, who is very old at this point in time. Everybody else, whether it be Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo, uh, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, etc., should be available, at least on some level. But I will stress this now and probably say it again after the game. Um, this is an exhibition game. Uh, teams have different philosophies and how, how, how hard to push their guys. The Hawks have some pretty decent rest in between games, but no reason to, pr- to kind of play guys a ton in this spot or take too, too much away from the competitive portion or the scoreboard, etc. in this kind of game. Um, on the Hawks' side, there are four guys who are already ruled out with injuries. It's Clint Capella, who the Hawks list as out with left Achilles injury management, Kevin Herter with left ankle injury management, and then DeAndre Hunter with his right knee injury management, and then Akongwu, who is going to be out for a couple more months with his right sol- shoulder surgery on his labrum. So no huge surprises there. Um, Bogdanovich being off the injury report entirely 
is a positive. You know, he was one of the guys that Schlenk talks about being limited at the outside of camp. It seems like he's going to play. Um, Hunter, by the way, also, uh, according to McMillan, had a full practice with no restrictions at the end of this last week. That's a good step for DeAndre. We'll see how that responds, of course. But he's not going to play Monday. We'll see if he plays Wednesday. And they're still on track for Capella to play the regular season opener, according to McMillan. Obviously, it's still two and a half weeks away, but um, some some good stuff to get into there. And nothing hugely surprising. No, like, out-of-nowhere injuries on Monday night. Uh, McMillan told Sarah Spencer and the media on Sunday, Sarah passes along, that the Hawks are going, are going to, quote, play a certain group, end quote, on Monday, and then also a certain group on Wednesday. Um, that makes some sense. Um, McMillan talked about how it's more of the veterans and the guys who were around last year that are going to play more on Monday on the road. And then when they come home for Wednesday, they'll play some guys less or not at all and then play some other guys even more. So if it's more vets and stuff like that, you might see the usual like starters, like your Trey Young types, your Collins types, um, Bogdanovich, etc., more on Monday. And if you want to go a little bit younger, maybe your Sharif Cooper, your Jalen Johnson, the camp guys, uh, Skylar Mays, uh, etc., on Wednesday. So it won't be that clean probably, but keep that in mind too. Like if you don't see Jalen Johnson play a ton on Monday, it'll be frustrating, I'm sure, for Hawks fans, but he probably will play more on Wednesday if that happens in front of the home fans, etc. So in terms of like stuff to look at, again, I, I would plug last week's podcast with myself and Glenn Willis. It was a two-part episode. We got into a lot of what I'm looking for in the preseason as well. But like what is Nate running? It might be vanilla in the preseason for sure, but like what kind of actions are they using offensively? How they how are they playing defensively without Capella on the floor? Um, how's Gorgie Jang looking? How's Lou Williams looking? Um, as an older guy, Gallinari, how's he moving? How's he looking? Um, you know, I'm not worried at all about Trey Young or John Collins, but or you know, how's Bogey running? How's Bogey moving after the injury at the end of last season? The other guys who were injured are not gonna be playing, so nothing too much to bank on there, but um, you know, Miami is a team that's going to be, it's obviously an exhibition, but they're going to play hard. They're going to play good defense for the most part. They're well coached. So you might see some stuff, especially early on in the game, that might be uh, interesting to kind of, you know, go head to head on these two teams. And honestly, a lot of people have picked Miami and Atlanta back to back in their projections. Like I have said on the record, I think the Hawks are better than the Heat, but that is not a consensus opinion. I think a lot of people think the, 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 the Heat are better. So. A uh, nice measuring stick. Obviously, it is very, very early, and nothing that should be uh, taken with too much of a, uh, you know, an overarching takeaway. I would say from this game. At the same time, I will have a podcast after the game is over with my observations. It won't be quite a playoff level breakdown in terms of scheme stuff, but there will be some like player for player stuff and how the game all went, who played, who didn't, etc. And if you're new listener to the podcast, that's how I handle these games. I will come on usually with a solo show, talk about the game flow. Some extra notes that I saw, some you know, some plays, substitution patterns, rotations, etc. And then I will also go player for player of the guys who played, with some quick thoughts and some uh, you know whether they play well or not, struggled, etc. And then I look ahead to what's beyond that. So plenty to get to on the podcast, but that's gonna do it for today. Uh, Monday will be fun. I mean, I don't want to make too much of it. I'm not the biggest exhibition player uh, in terms of observer in the world. But I will watch every second of this game, probably twice, because it's the Hawks. We're getting closer, and it's a game with referees and some real takeaways. So, Miami, 7.30 p.m. Monday night. We'll have all kinds of that, um, all, all kinds of eyes on that. If you are a Hawks fan, I'm sure you'll be watching Wire to Wire. It is on TV locally. I think it might be on radio as well. Check that out as well. And then uh, after the game, please check out the podcast. Please subscribe to the show. We are now in uh, full-on four or five episodes per week timetable and scheduling. So subscribe, rate, review, and we'll see you after the game on Monday evening.